So accountability starts with you. So if you're frustrated, first look at yourself. Are you modeling these aspects of accountability that you expect from other people? And sometimes we're not honest with ourselves. So this is a good way to just start now being honest with ourselves. This is Lead with Culture. I am Kate Volman, and on this episode, we are talking about accountability. Such a great topic, so important for every leader. And I am joined by our senior coach, Michelle Marquis. And we're always talking to leaders. Like that's this is what we do. We talk to leaders, whether it's CEOs, CHROs, managers, people that are leading teams, and one of the things that comes up so often in these conversations is their frustration with their people. And why? Because their people aren't doing the work that is expected of them. As we always say in the office, everything is an iceberg. So there's some obvious reasons why things aren't getting done. And so a big topic is always around accountability. Like we ask the people that we are working with, do you hold them accountable? to the work that is expected of them. And so that always opens up a really interesting conversation and dialogue. And so that's what the conversation is today. So Michelle, what are your thoughts? Why do you feel like this is such an important topic to to dig into and to really help leaders? So I think obviously what you just said, when I'm talking to CEOs, they are frustrated. They're frustrated over the lack of accountability. And so when I ask them, what do you mean? What is accountability to you? They're like, well, you know, things just don't get done. People aren't talking to each other. You know, all of these things like the iceberg, right? I'm frustrated that I'm not getting what I want, but what do you want and what do you expect? And what do you, what are you not seeing? What are you seeing? That's good. So we, we get into this big conversation. And the other thing that I discovered is accountability has been given a, a negative connotation. Usually it's, I'm going to hold you accountable. Who am I going to hold accountable because something went wrong? So accountability, that it sort of has a negative connotation. You very rarely see accountability as one of the core values. It's very interesting to me. So then I thought, okay, why aren't people holding themselves accountable when they know someone wants them to be accountable to something, right? What are my expectations? How do I know if I'm doing a good job? So anyway, long story, I I looked and Harvard Business Review was like, 50% of managers are not good at this. They're just not good at it. And so I go, why, why? Well, because they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it in terms of, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold myself accountable. So today I really wanted to talk about two different areas. One is accountability killers that most leaders, whether they want to say they're doing it or not, this is a way for them to look in the mirror today and tell yourself whether you're doing these four things that's really You're killing the accountability in your organization. And then four ways for you to really model what accountability looks like. Mm. And then at the end, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a challenge. I love challenging. We got to have, oh, (laughs) we have to end every episode with a challenge. We got to give everyone something to strive for, something to hold themselves accountable to. That's right. It's so interesting because it is so true when we think about accountability. It's like, who are we blaming for what went wrong? But what is also interesting is we do a lot of coaching, right? Executive business, life coaching, a lot of our dream manager clients. What is the one thing that shows up in a lot of the questionnaires that we send out is the fact that they love that their coach is holding them accountable. 
So it's like we have this love-hate relationship with accountability. We're like, we want to be held accountable because the only way to actually fulfill and achieve the dreams that we have in our lives is to be held accountable. But also when we're held accountable, we actually know we have to do it. And it makes it a little bit scary. So let's talk about some, what are some of these accountability killers? So the killers, number one is micromanaging. So you tell somebody you're responsible for this, 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 this. However, when they go to do this, 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 and they're not doing it the way you're thinking in your mind, it should be done. Then you get frustrated, right? And then they get frustrated because you gave me this job to do. (laughs) And so I'm doing it the way that I think it's the right way to go. It's a killer when you start micromanaging people and it'll lead back to some of the ways that you're going to think about modeling accountability. So all the four things I'm going to say about killers, we're going to lead back to how do you change that? How do you stop micromanaging people? So think about it right now, times throughout your day, throughout your month that you're really micromanaging. You've given a task. And then you really stay away and let them do their task. That's a whole other episode of talking about how to (laughs) not micromanage because it's very easy to do. But yeah, okay. All right. So people can take a look at how often. This is why I think it's so important to have a very clear expectation on the outcome. Outcome versus the steps it takes to get there. If you really care only about the outcome, let your person do what needs to get done. And if the outcome is great. Awesome. Let them do their job. That's why you hired them. So, all right. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Well, I don't love it. That's not good, but, but what you just said is truly important because accountability is built on trust. So they go hand in hand. So that was really good. Glad you said that. The other one is delaying feedback. Delaying feedback is a killer of accountability because someone needs your help. Let's say you're in the middle of a project. You've been assigned a project and you need an answer on something right? To move forward. So you reach out either email or whatever, and you don't hear back and you don't hear back and you don't hear back. And then guess what? You're off track. You have a deadline. It's not getting done. It's procrastination. We procrastinate feedback. And even when we say feedback, it's almost like I think of feedback, it's coaching, right? Essentially feedback is coaching. You're coaching your people. And if we need to tend to change the language, so it's more like, hey, I'm here to help my people grow. So I'm giving them, I'm giving them guidance. I'm giving them coaching. And so often, ooh, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk to someone about the work that they're doing, if it's not at the level that it needs to be, then of course we want to procrastinate because who wants to have that conversation? But the quicker we have it, the better, because we all know it's like the longer that you wait to have it, it's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get any better. It's actually stressing you out because you're probably thinking about it in the background. So just have the conversation. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So the third one is dismissing complaints or concerns. So this is subtle because, listen, I know that there's Debbie Downers out there who are always complaining about something, but there may be something in what they're saying that you should pay attention to. So be careful not to just dismiss complaining or concerns from all your people because there may be golden nuggets in there. And sometimes there's actually a common thread that may be happening as well. So So what's a good exercise, Michelle? What's something 
that a leader can do today if they are maybe being approached by some of their people on some of these complaints so that you can actually discern what are people complaining about versus like, what do I really need to take a look at because it might keep showing up and there's something to really dig into and have a deeper conversation? So I would say the first thing is to really make note of it and then have the conversation with the person. Why is this a complaint? Learn more about what's underlying the concern or the complaint, and then give them some kind of feedback about it. So it gets back to don't delay feedback. If you hear a complaint or a concern, you have to address it so that you understand it. And maybe it's just a little thing that they just didn't know about. Like, here's a reason why this is happening that's causing this. Because people sometimes, they make up their own ideas of what, what's going on if they don't know. So it just gives you another opportunity to communicate with them, yeah. to let them know the bigger picture, because they may not just understand why this certain thing is happening. I think this is such a huge one because it really does just open the door to having really beneficial conversations with your team. It also, it shows your team that you actually care. I think some leaders, we think, well, there's nothing we can do about this, right? If their complaints are something that there's nothing that we really can change or quote unquote fix, we can have a conversation around the why and around what's really bothering you. Like sometimes the real issue for someone isn't actually what's being presented to you. It's got much exactly. rooted issue. And so you can actually, if your people know that if they come to you with a challenge, you don't just brush it under the rug, then they are going to have these conversations with you, which is a beautiful thing. Otherwise, we've all seen organizations where they say, why do they even do these interviews? Why do they even do these surveys? Nothing happens. And so we don't want to be in that place where we're just sending out surveys to send them out and we're getting feedback and nothing's happening. But it's really just the communication of, hey, we hear you, we get it, but let's have a deeper under understanding of like what this could potentially look like and how we can move forward. And that's, you know, good for all parties involved. And it doesn't mean that every single thing that your team comes up with and asks for that you're going to bend over backwards and change. That's not oh, no. the point. No. The point is to just no. open up a dialogue and you're going to learn a lot about your people, about what's important to them, about what really is going to help them do their best work. And sometimes those difficult conversations can be the most fruitful, rich conversations that transform your relationship with your people and the culture of the organization. No doubt. That's always been a part when I was in the corporate world, part of my organizational development process. If I went to a new organization, I would have a, I called it a blocks session. So what gets in the way of you doing your job? And I would just listen and I would verbatim write down what they were saying. And then at the end, when I met with everybody, I typed it all out and I went through every single one with everybody, even if it wasn't your concern or your complaint, I went through every single one because they usually fell into different categories. It was my manager, communication, training, technology. So all of them say there were a hundred I'd have like 25 here, 40 here. 30. So I went through every single one of them and explained. And to your point, Kate, they wanted to be heard. They needed to be heard. And it was almost like you could feel their shoulders drop. And it was like, wow, okay, she heard me. She heard what we were saying. And I'd say, these are things that I can change. 
These are things that are not going to change. These are things that we can work on together. These are things that I'm going to expect you to do because now that we know, we can't not know. We have to do something about it. So yeah, great point. And then the last thing, which is hard, but not hard. It's you're not open to change. So remote work was the big one, right? So think about how you had to change and how they had to change. But what a great way to really get to know your people on another level because you all of a sudden went into their personal world, right? You got to know them because people didn't have laptops to work from home. So you had to get laptops or they didn't have internet. I mean, you found out so much about your people through that change. You were forced into that change. Yeah. So now how are you going to change? So being open to change and talking to your people and really knowing what they're thinking is super important. Yeah. And every time, <laughs> so funny, every time I hear, I hear the word change, I always immediately think we don't dislike change. We dislike and get uncomfortable with transition. That's what we talk right. about a lot of the times with our clients. So it's the same thing. And the remote work, what was interesting about remote work is that there wasn't a lot of time for that quote unquote transition. It happened immediately, no. right? It was like, hey, we're shut down and you're working from home. And all of a sudden people thought it was, oh, we'll be back in two weeks. Nope. It is like shut down for a year or two years or whatever it was. So interesting. People don't have the time. And so I think that is just a lesson in life in general, right? Like to be able to be a little bit um, malleable and be able to be flexible in the world because businesses transition, life is transition. We're never not in a state of transition. And the people that get really comfortable with that and with change. And also I find it so interesting how we're working with so many different kinds of people, all different ages, all different backgrounds. And so being open to understanding other cultures and other, just other people's mindsets. We all see the world through our own lens and we've got to recognize that as leaders that all of our people are coming that way too. And so we get to all learn. Some of my favorite leaders that I've ever worked with have loved working with as diverse group of people as possible because we all felt like we got to learn and grow with each other. Like that was, that's always really exciting, right? Because everyone's got their own superpower. And when you get to learn and grow with each other. So those are the four killers of accountability. So we know what not to do and how to improve. And then for now we have to head on to, okay, I want to get better at accountability. What does that look like? What are some of those things, some of those ways that I can model someone who excels at accountability? That's right. So accountability starts with you. So if you're frustrated, first look at yourself. Are you modeling these aspects of accountability that you expect from other people? And sometimes we're not honest with ourselves. So this is a good way to just start now being honest with ourselves. So the first thing is do what you say you're going to do. That sounds so simple. However, sometimes as a leader, you get excited and someone else might be excited and you'll say, oh yeah, we should do that. We're going to do that. Because people listen to every word you say as a leader. They're watching every move you make. They're listening to every word you say. So if you, especially if you're an extrovert, extroverts tend to think out loud, right? So if you Mm -hmm. say something, You don't really mean tomorrow. You mean like someday, but you're saying it and people are like, oh, 
well, we're going to have these new healthcare benefits because Michelle said it and you don't do it. That's not good. So do what you say you're going to do. So be mindful of your words and what you say you're going to do, especially you extroverts who tend to think out loud and get excited. And if you're really passionate, be careful. Oh, that's so, such that's, a that's good one. one, especially because there's a, you know, a lot of leaders. They are very eccentric and passionate about what they do. And that's when it comes down also to just knowing your people, because <laughs> some people, this is why I love all different. Everyone's got their superpowers because you have people that we love to talk about and vision, right? Leaders are visionaries. Yeah. They don't really necessarily like to get into the details of it all. So when they're talking, they're like, look at what no. we're building. And the poor people that are actually doing all the work, they're like, wait a second what's the deadline? When do you need this? Let me get the Excel spreadsheet. Let me yeah. do all the things. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> so yeah. knowing your exactly. people is critical for sure. Yeah. It's awesome. The second one is obviously in culture solution, but communicate your expectations. If you really just care about the result, then just talk about the result. But nine times out of 10, you, you do care about how they're going to get there. So be specific about your expectations with people. I can't say that enough about accountability because that's the second question I ask is, do people know what's expected of them? Do you have your values clearly defined on how you expect people to behave? In terms of a project, do you specifically walk through milestones that you're expecting or whatever it is, maybe it's monetary, you know, revenue goals that you have to achieve, any kind of project or goal that you put out there, are you specific about your expectations? Because many times, if you look at some of these strategic plans, there aren't a lot of expectations in there. There's a lot of results that I'm looking for in there, but being clear about the expectations. And that always points back to your values, your mission, is this serving the mission? So that's a big one. It's huge. Yeah. It's just huge. Well, you know, it is principle number five. Let people know what you expect <laughs> in the culture solution. And for yeah. good reason, those things need to get done. And in Matthew's book, he actually says there's two reasons why things don't get done in an organization. And the first is that we don't have a clearly defined written expectations. And then number two is we're not being held accountable to fulfilling those expectations. Like that is the reason why things don't get done. Yeah. And we can see that in business and in life, right? Like how many of us yes. have dreams that we keep saying we're going to do? And because we're not holding ourselves accountable, a year goes by, two years, five years. And we're like, wait a second. I've been talking about this for one too long. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's huge. Yeah. And if you can get that rhythm in place. And it's not that hard, but it does take time. So if you really want this accountability, you need to be committed and you need to be intentional. You need to find that system, which is what Matthew really is providing through the culture solution is a system to building the culture of accountability. I think he could have added that on <laughs> how to build a dynamic culture of accountability because all those steps that he talks about really do serve to build that accountability piece in. Yeah. It's just a system. You have to be proactive. It's something you have to put time into and it's forever. It's not one and done. It's not like, okay, we're now an accountability company. No, <laughs> it's all the time. You've got to be feeding it all the time as you're modeling it yourself. Yeah. So. Well, and I feel like 
you said it earlier, that's part of coaching. That is one of the reasons why you invest in a coach. It's like we yeah. we know what needs to get done, right? If we want to be healthier and fit, if we want to take vacations, if we want to write a book, if we want to grow the business, we know what we should do. Most of the time, we know exactly the steps that we need to take in order to do them. We just aren't That's right. holding ourselves accountable. That's why coaches exist for that. For yes. Even for the just the fact that you're investing, you're putting your money where your mouth is and saying, okay, I'm coaching this person so that whenever we meet every month, I have to come to my call and say to Michelle, I did or didn't do the thing that I said I was going to do. And nobody wants to come to that meeting saying they didn't do it. That's right. I mean, how many of your That's clients, right. Michelle, how many people have ever said to you, oh my gosh, I literally just got this done right before the call because I wanted to, to a, finally a do lot. it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. And some people, you know, they get so frustrated with themselves. Like, why am I like this? So we come up with different strategies to do it. Right. Because what I'm noticing too, there's a lot of apps, new apps out there, go yoga and this and that, quit this, quit that. And they're like triggers every day. So they send you a text message or they send you an email every day. You've got to do that for yourself too. It's you have to every morning say, okay, what am I going to do today to drive accountability in my organization? If you're the leader of that group, I promise you, if you say that every day, you will change and you will start to see it. Let's get on to number three. All right. All right. <laughs> Another good one that we sort of started talking about under the killers, but really you can't micromanage people. That, that just stifles innovation, creativity. You just, you don't want a bunch of puppets running your organization. You selected them for a reason. You want them to own it. You want them to hold themselves accountable. So you need to empower them and give them the resources and the tools to do the job. And that's principle number six. You need to have a coaching environment. You need to have a coaching style so that you're not always just telling people what to do with the little widgets. No, give them some flexibility in that. That's how they create an ownership to what they're doing. We always talk about this. It's like you go back into the book and the six principles, the six principles, you just need the six principles because principle number four is hire with rigorous discipline. We've got to hire with rigorous discipline so that you're getting the right people on the team so that you know they're going to do the work the way that it's right. intended. And when you have those right people, then it's so it should be easy to not micromanage because they know what's expected of them. They know how they're being evaluated. And it's more about the outcome than it is the daily actions. Like as long as the things are getting done. I mean, we talk to so many leaders. They say, I don't care how my people get it done. I just want the work to get done. As long as we get the outcome that we were looking for, great. Do your thing because right. we all work in very different ways. And that's a that's beautiful right. thing. And so when we're more focused on that, everyone is happier. Yes. And I remember when I was hiring a lot of people, building teams, I would always say to them, I'm going to hold you close in the beginning. But after that, you're on your own. So let's meet. We meet almost every day. You know, I'd have an agenda. I'd have like a 30, 60, 90 days. So within that 90 days, they saw a lot of me. And I would every day, what questions do you have? What else can I give you? What do you need? But after 90 days, this is your job. You've got it. I'm here for you if you ever need me. And we, of course, check in. But that's what they want. And you want those kind of people yeah. in your organization. They're going to help drive your organization further than you can imagine. The fourth one is, this is a big one that I have found also. 
foster high functioning teams, especially in a larger organization, but not always larger, even small organizations. You're the leader and you're assigning different projects to people, but this group of people doesn't know that this group of people is working on this and this group of people is working on that. And sometimes they collide, but they don't know it. They don't, and so something happens over here and you go, whoa, wait a minute. That affected us over here. So it, it creates friction between the teams, right? So that the accountability piece is missing. So make sure everybody knows what everybody else is working on so that, again, they could say to themselves, oh, maybe that's something that Kate's working on because I, I think I heard something about that. And then I could go right to Kate versus thinking the world is falling apart. <laughs> so really make sure that you have highly functioning teams that are being collaborative and working together and they know what the other person is working on. Yeah, this go this goes to principle number 3, over communicate the plan and that first step is having a plan. So when we have a strategic plan, even if that plan is a couple pages, just so everybody knows what we're working towards. I mean, that's what's such a beautiful thing when we get to work with teams, especially when you get to bigger teams where there's hundreds of people and, and people are kind of working on those different projects when we know, hey, we're building this together. We have this vision of what we're building together. And these are the departments and what each of them are working on. I immediately think of sales teams and marketing teams specifically because they have yes. to really work well together. And we've heard so often where we've got the marketing team and the sales team and the salespeople are frustrated because they are talking, they're having conversations with people that were marketed in a really strong way. So they got these really great leads, but they're like, wait, it said what? The ad said what? We don't do that. And then same thing with like sales people yes. and then fulfillment. If you have a sales department and then someone else does the fulfillment, like a project manager, oh my gosh, there's a lot of conflict there, right? Because the salesperson's yes. job is just to sell. So they oversell. And then the poor project manager is left with the client that might not be so happy because they didn't get what they expected. Oh, that, that's like a whole other conversation. But yes. That's a great example. That's a perfect example. Yeah, those things. Absolutely. We have to work together uh, to, to work <laughs> yeah. to work together. Plus, especially with, with kind of seeing how all your teams are so intertwined, the more that they're working together and see themselves as a team that way, that team wants the other team to win. This isn't That's a right. competition. And sometimes right. we see it with teams, it almost feels like a competition. And if it feels like a competition, that means somewhere in the leadership, that's being that's kind of being portrayed. Like that's what people are, are showing up. And so uh, being held accountable, everyone needs to be held accountable. When I think of accountability too, I always think about Jocko Willink and his uh, book, Extreme Ownership, and how he mm. always talks about, there's no such thing as bad teams, only bad leaders. And I'm like, mm. oh, that's so good. So yes. good. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's powerful. So those are the four things to model. I mean, there's many other things, but those I, those are the four I picked. Yeah, as the top things to start modeling accountability. Awesome, I love it. Well, I hope that everyone listening is kind of thinking about how they are leading their people, how they are having different conversations, and hopefully, something in this episode resonated with you in some way to 
to really encourage you to even look at your own accountability and some of the things that you are doing throughout your day, whether it's personally or professionally. And Michelle, I know you you have a fun activity. So we always like to give a challenge to people before <laughs> the end of the episode. So what is the challenge today? So just in the ending, just quick reminder, this must be genuine and authentic. Okay, don't go in tomorrow and say, all right, this is accountability month. <laughs> We're all going to be accountable. So it really starts with yourself. And consistency is key. You can't be a model of accountability one day and not the next day. This is going to take time. And I'd say start with one, one thing. One thing that you're either going to stop doing. So look at your list of killers of accountability. I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to start doing one of the four models of accountability. So pick one of those, either start or stop. Start small. Don't try to do everything all at once. One thing, and at the beginning of every day, what's my one thing I want to you know, focus on? And then at, at the end of the day, do an inventory of your day. How did I do today in my accountability measure? So start to measure yourself, but pick one thing, either stop, the killers of accountability or start the model of accountability. Well, if you are thinking or curious about how you can really level up your accountability, then obviously, like we talked about, it it definitely comes in the form of a coach. The best leaders in the world have coaches. They have coaches for a reason. And a big piece of that is just to hold themselves accountable to do the work that they know that they need to do. So if you are interested or curious about what that would look like for you, for your people in your organization, we would love to have a conversation with you about that. And you can go to floydcoaching.com, check that out. And you'll probably talk to Michelle or one of our other fabulous coaches about what that would be like. And I am so grateful that we get to do this show I hope that you found it valuable. If there's anything that you want to share with us, especially along the challenges, we love hearing that. Like we love hearing from you and which episodes you like, what is impactful and what really resonated with you because that also helps us formulate the different topics for the episodes. And so if you are liking the show and you have not yet written a review, please write a review. It does help out the podcast so more people can find it. We would so, so appreciate and be grateful for that. Until next time, lead with culture.